Hello, welcome to Silly Point. I'm Brendan Cummins and I'm joined once again by uh, Michael Bate. G'day. And Reese Meekins. How do you do, Brendan Cummins? How do you, how do, you do? I'm bringing balance to the podcast this week. <laughs> You're bringing Gary Balance to the podcast next oh, week. Hey, Gary. How are you doing, man? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Please don't. So, we've, we're one day into the Perth Test match and we've, we've, we're sort of got this like we, there's a little it's evenly poised and there's some some interesting uh predictions going on that you just brought to our attention about the the tourist expecting uh 50 to forty-five thousand from oh from, look I, I said i was going to bring balance <laughs> to this podcast and speak about how great england are but according to the Cricket Australia app, the visitors will be looking at fifty to forty-five hundred from this position, <laughs> uh, which I, I'm guessing is a world record. Is that what New Zealand made the last time they played at the Wacker? <laughs> yeah. It's probably in that ballpark. Not far off. I think Ross Taylor made that on his own. Last oh, time. quite easily. <laughs> and there's definitely been some jokers out there in the cricket reporting world today because there was it was a moment when i saw on cricket info that chris wokes was batting at five and the batting order on <laughs> on cricket info lol Sounds pretty reasonable to me <laughs> lol. and also some slightly unsubstantiated claims of match fixing you know go into what, what did you got i mean we we have discussed it a little bit today, but what were your, your feelings on the credibility and the silent man? Uh, well, we talked about the silent man. Yeah. There's definitely not one silent man within Australian <laughs> cricket. They're all a bunch of uh, chirpy so-and-sos. Uh, look, you know, you, you cannot trust anything that comes from the Sun newspaper. So I guess, yeah, it, the, the, the allegations have come out of the sun, which is for anybody who's not aware, who's probably, you know, you'd have to have not checked any sports journalism for the last five years because every dodgy story that comes out of, that's reported on seems to come out of the sun. And uh, before that, it was news of the world, world before yeah. it was shut down. The same, almost the same, uh, basically the same school of thought. And, uh, Really nothing. So there was a period of panic for maybe an hour before the test started and then everybody seemed to come out and went like, there's nothing to it. Yeah, there's no evidence. Yeah. Just a couple of blokes. Well, I'm not so it. sure about that because... <laughs> look, Gary Balance. Gary Balance. <laughs> Gary Balance, check it in. <laughs> look, there's... Obviously, if you compare this with, uh, with the Salmon Butt um, match-fixing controversy from several years ago where he and two of his bowlers all received five to 10 year bans and jail sentences, jail yep. but that was proven. So cash had exchanged hands, signals were given, balls were bowled. Obviously in this case, it's uh, a bunch of Indian bookies sort of big noting themselves, claiming that they might be yep. able to do it. The only thing I'll say is maybe we've got a reasonable explanation for Joe Root bowling first in Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they well, reckon they yeah, can fix well, the top. Well, yeah. so. And there, like, there it was. That's, I think yeah, that, so we, we, we may be able to shed some light on that. Bowling first on that deck was yeah. probably paying $10. And, <laughs> oh, look, all of a sudden. No, we're, we're not saying that. We're not saying that. But there, there is a, a, a major controversy that's erupted other than this match-fixing scandal, I think. But we've got a, an exclusive interview yep. that could, you know, puts this one to bed. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's a big one. It's, it's a big one. Big, it's, it's probably the biggest thing to come out in cricket this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we should probably save that for a bit later yeah. on. Yeah, it's a bit off topic right now. Yeah. So do you think going into because this this is it was it feels that the Sun maybe were trying to uh, potentially ch- change the tune of reporting of the the Ashes summer that has been. The really there's nothing, but do you think it? maybe affected Australia early and or there, there was that drop catch by Mitch Marsh and maybe he said he would drop his only catch opportunity <laughs> in the match. I mean, that, this is, this is the lunacy of match fixing in, well, no, it's, it's not match fixing. We got it. Spot, spot fixing. fixing. Yep. The lunacy of gambling on the number of no balls and etc. in, in cricket. Do you really like, who, who is doing Do, who, 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 I've never I'm s- certainly not Yeah I mean I don't know If you're betting on these things That are like In the underground booking world That are like Oh there's going to be A no ball bowled In the 13th yeah. over You know the fix is in yeah, Sure yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Who is involved What Who are I, they betting against Yeah I don't, I don't get any of it I don't I, don't, I really just don't understand and the the so the indian blokes that uh that the sun caught up in their sting they they reckon they can fix the toss of the coin which i'm not really sure how you do that <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's they understand <laughs> that's probability. a good spot fixing right there isn't it like it's one thing to say old mate's gonna bowl a wide but or slipping a double-sided coin out there yeah. that's some I, serious collusion i really want to take these guys to the casino and play two up with them oh, <laughs> just imagine yeah. the, the money you'd make so it just just seems so bizarre. I just I can't. I I like not to play conspiracy conspiracy theorist like an English cricketer here. But <laughs> it feels like the sun because this this was all sort of recorded three or four months ago. That's my understanding. Feels like it could be a bit of a payback from the sun for the way the Australian media has portrayed the English cricket team as a bunch of drunken louts. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a bit of that going on, but you know, I'm just going to say, I, you know, I enjoy drink. I've never poured a drink over my friend's head. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy a drink and I also haven't poured a drink over Jimmy Anderson's head. (laughs) But I think you guys aren't proving anything because Michael, you did say your friend, and quite clearly, <laughs> Jimmy Anderson is no one's friend. That's true, that's true. Have well, you ever poured your drink I over a knob? A pl- I poured a plenty drink over plenty friend. Yeah. I, I just didn't want to... I've said that name a lot in the last three weeks, and I didn't want to say that name again, so... Oh, are you bringing balance to, to the podcast I'm as trying well? I'm trying to, I'm trying to. So, I mean, it, 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 nothing really in that, that story at all, so I don't... It, it, it threw me this morning, waking up, looking oh, forward yeah. to a... It was the first thing you looked on the Cricket Australia app, yeah. you looked on your ESPN Crick Info app. Uh, if you guys are listening, silly point, you know, give us a bit of publicity, please. <laughs> um, like and share. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there doesn't seem to be much to it. It just seems like, yeah, a couple of, a couple of blokes big-noting themselves, trying to act like they can control the world you know they described having players be their puppets and supposedly they named names but i haven't heard any names come out yeah whether that's a libel thing or they just 
haven't actually named names or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I, d- I just don't know. <laughs> it's just, it just is a non-issue. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm dumb for, I, 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 it, it just yeah it just it just seems so, it, for it to have got, got gotten so much airtime it just is is crazy we're running an audio I was going to say radio show but what do you call a podcast it's a podcast it's a podcast we're running a, pod, we're running a podcast and we're speechless it's not a good yeah, look but no. that is how that is how dumbfounded we all are by this so we're in we're into the we're into the Perth test and Seemingly all of the bad publicity that has come out for the English side has occurred in Perth. Yeah. So I all at a certain late night venue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you want to... I'm, I'm guessing the majority of listeners are probably familiar with the avenue is... It sounds classy, but it's it used to be... Clubber. Yeah, clubber, club based spew. Um, <laughs> yeah, is that for the benefit of my mum, who's, <laughs> who's the, the, the minority of the podcast in 25% of yeah, the listeners? That hasn't partied at clubber. <laughs> yeah. So I, I see if, if England, we're, we're evenly poised, it's four for 307 or something at the close of first day as we record this podcast. So they're, they're, they're in it with a in with a chance of winning this one if they win yeah you'd is say... the party at clubber <laughs> <laughs> and who is going home well after i'm the definitely gonna start i'll yeah. tell you what <laughs> next week no work's getting done yeah. every night we are straight down to clubber we will report live from the avenue every night if we have to <laughs> until someone brings out a tray of shots and mike gets headbutted yeah <laughs> So I'm just imagining the controversy that's going to come out of the one scraped win that they'll get out of Club <laughs> Bayview. <laughs> so I guess in between, in, I don't know, I don't know if, if it had happened whilst we were recording the last episode, but the Ben Dunkett, Jimmy Anderson. I think I've, it came out after we'd recorded. Recorded, yeah. Uh, so it, that may have been happening while we were yeah, recording the very podcast. Well could have been lying. Yeah, yeah the, the beer could have been, been hitting, poor, the, yeah. hitting the the well quaffed head. <laughs> Apparently, I, I, don't, I don't understand if they love a drink so much. Why are they wasting it? Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> doesn't make sense. You're getting paid too much. That's the <laughs> yeah. problem. Obviously, it wasn't Duckett's shout. Yeah, he would have drunk every mill of that. Jimmy Anderson probably just throws his Amex over the bar and says, oh, <laughs> yeah, "Don't worry, Junior. Pour it's it all over on me. me. <laughs> Pour it over me." I, I reckon it's not even a story. It's like it's the story's not been reported the way it happens. It just is Jimmy Anderson has this weird fetish of having, <laughs> just having everybody pour drinks over him whilst he's out on the town. This, this is how rich that I is, am. <laughs> that is the power of Jimmy Anderson within the world of English cricket that he's like, you can't release this, the actual story of me having a beer fountain fetish. <laughs> That is almost as fanciful, almost as fanciful (laughs) as David Warner concocting a conspiracy theory to mention a headbutt near a stump microphone. (laughs) Yeah. Almost as fanciful. (laughs) So, a little bit of... That's that's where we're at in terms of this weird story that's come out. And we we had... It was a little bit of... um, It was a weird morning because we had a couple of uncharacteristic drop catches from Australia, but also... 
what seemed uncharacteristically good batting from England. As well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this contra no no look a DRS decision that ended up being perfectly correct, but Ooh. seeming to have not gone through full process at the time. So. If you if you didn't see, you probably heard about it. You're listening to a cricket podcast, so I don't treat you like complete noobs. But uh, Stoneman gloves, or what the Australians appeal for, a catch behind off a glove. Great catch from the pain train, by the way. Yeah, Absolutely was it ever magnificent yep. take? And then uh, not not given not out. The Australians refer pretty confident appeal, and then refer and. Starts to go through the usual, like, uh, no ball, um, snicko, hotspot process. And it seems to be done very quickly without... Given that it was a, a very faint nick and Joe Root protests and then we have... We go through the process all again. What was... What do you... What, what, given that it ended up being the correct decision and there's absolutely no, nothing can come out now and say it wasn't the right decision. But what's your view on the, given that the review is broadcast, Mm -hmm. do you think you have to go through the full process for the viewers to almost appease the public that the decision has been made right, even though you might have all the evidence in front of you as... I'd I'd actually go back probably one step further. And if the third umpire is seeing what the viewers are seeing on the broadcast. And it may well be that they have multiple screens and they can look at a few things at a time and they're not actually going through that process with us as a viewer in real time. I would not have been comfortable as a third umpire giving that out on the evidence that was presented at the time. So the hotspot was just not there. Now, it was quite high on the fixed camera in the hotspot. It wasn't really clear, but there was certainly no indication that there was a mark the snicko was it was there but it was very minor so it's it, a sort of a line ball one it there it wasn't the snicko as well it could have been the glove that was on the bat or it could have been the glove that was away from the bat like yep. it was just in that weird in between kind of area where from the angles that that Alim Dar was looking at it i don't think you could have conclusively said it was one or the other there was an an angle that they showed later that you could see, see the that ball it actually hits the glove, the glove that's on yeah, the, the bat. bat but he didn't look at that angle mm. uh it's, so on the evidence like so but, but i don't know maybe he's seen that and we haven't seen that on tv th- there was a it did they did go into it a little bit on uh the channel nine commentary which feeds the third umpire that um the review yeah, the, like footage. The footage. Mm. Um, so when you see it on TV, you are seeing supposedly exactly what, what, he what, what he's seeing. So yeah. I think that's the whole thing about you hear what the third umpire is going through is to be a little bit transparent about that review Just process. Just rock and roll that again for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Legside hotspot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's interesting though, given that we had this case of the, the, the infamous... Stuart Broad 
split the ball in half. <laughs> um, Hit the ball for six. And it oh, what, no, what, the was, it, was it that one? So there, was, there was one that like was clearly nicked, but there was no hot spot, but something on Snicko. Oh, no, that was, um, that was Stokes, I think. Yeah, so... I, because the uh, the broad one the broad there was one, no smashed it to slip, but there were yeah, no reviews, no review available. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that was Ben Stokes, where it was seemingly inexplicable, and it's sort of like maybe the bat, the toe of the bat had hit the ground, perhaps. Because if it's the one, but I'm the thinking, timing, kind of the timing would worked out so well that yeah. you went like that has to be the ball hitting the, mm. yeah. the edge, but there was no hot spot, and yeah. basically because there was no hot spot. It was given not out because it wasn't conclusive evidence. Mm. I wonder if there's a little bit of a... Because I remember at the time being very frustrated, going like, it clearly is nicked it and it just hasn't yeah. shown up. And mm. because it's the transfer of heat, if you're batting, if it was at the Wacker, which I kind of feel like it might have been, it's 41 degrees out there, everything's... The transfer of heat's not going to be quite as transparent, like, mm. is, is yeah. efficient as somewhere as, like, I, 20 I degrees. I think they've kind of... Maybe from that decision, I don't know, but they do seem to give uh, overturned decisions based on just Snicko now. So yeah, if there's no yep. spot, but there's a Snicko spike. So I wonder if there's like a, a a hierarchy of review in terms of Snicko and Hotspot. Mm. It might be. It might be like first to last kind of thing. So yeah. The first thing is Hotspot, but that's not conclusive. Yeah. Then Snicko, that's more conclusive. And then, then ball hot. tracking. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So inter- you were talking about ball tracking the other... W- w- were we talking about ball tracking? Yeah, where- we talked about ball tracking last week because there, there were some unusual decisions that the ball tracking either upheld or overturned. We sort of went, oh, to the naked eye, to the, you know, to the average cricket watcher or, or umpire in the audience, it, it looked like it was either a plum LBW or it was definitely not. So you had Sean Marsh and Tim Payne both overturned. Um, they were given out on the field and uh, and reviewed, and the DRS showed that it was going to go over the stumps. Uh, and then Moen Ali um, was the other one who sort of controversially um, given out. It was pitching umpires call in line and umpires call to hit the stumps. And to the naked eye again, you thought, well, whether it hits in line or not is quite easy to determine from the technology, uh, well, pitches in line rather, but... For it to actually go on and hit the stumps again, it just didn't yeah. look like that was going to happen. So it's just interesting now that for something that was supposed to take the controversial decision out of the game, we're now talking more about the controversy of the yeah. DRS. Yeah. And, and this this one today is a prime example. And the fact that we're sitting here speculating as to what the order of priority might be, what's the level of evidence that's required, what's the standard that you have to prove is it a greater standard to give a batsman out um, as opposed to overturning a, a not out decision? There's a lack of transparency that I yeah. think is concerning. Yeah, and, and the thing that made you convinced about it being out was just regular footage. Yeah. Yeah. It was just it actually looking like but it deviated off the glove. Is, yeah. that, is that, you know, how many angles do the umpires, does the third umpire watch it from, you know? Like there must be... I mean, there's a lot of cameras around the ground. Do they have mm. to watch a dismissal from every single? And angle? even when mm. when when you've you Did watch it in real time, you watch the dismissal. Th- this one in particular, you you kind of see it deviate as it goes past the glove. Mm. So as mm. soon as you see it, he's sitting there 
Alim Dar's sitting there going like, oh, that hit a glove. And then as soon as it's not the hand that's off the glove, which is possibly what Maria Erasmus thought had happened, then maybe that's all he needs. Mm. So they, they might need to review this review process a little bit and give back some more power to the on-field umpire. Because we've got this sort of conversation now where they're more likely to give an LBW than not because mm. the batsman can review it. Um, maybe they need to take it back a little bit and take it out of the players' hands a little bit again and just have them be able to review those, like they do with runouts and and catches that seem... Mm. Like, I don't understand why they can't just go like, hey, can we check that that hit in line? Because I think it's going on to hit the stumps. And then it kind of becomes this like, you know, you have NFL kind of... They broadcast the whole decision making and, yeah. and and union a little bit, and it, it could it could then be a case of um, so okay, I'm going to refer this LBW shout. Uh, I think that he's hit it. Other than that, he's plumb. Yeah. So mm. can we just check if he's hit it, and then the DRS shows that he hasn't hit it. And so then it becomes, okay, we go back to the on-field umpire. Yeah. And, go and then you can decision. review. Yeah. Or, or, and, and, and you get you less, you get less reviews. You can yeah, review yeah. the ball track and go like, actually, I think it was not going to hit. But yeah. this whole, they, they kind of, they are almost going, this, the, the review system is here to stay and we're going to use it more and more. But if the umpires don't have the power of it, then just do away with them a little bit. Like... Yeah, it's seemingly as imperfect as what we had before there was the technology. Yeah. So what's the point? Give yeah. the umpires the power and trust them. Either Alim Dar makes a mistake on the field or there's potentially a mistake made with the way the technology is configured mm. or the ability for it to give a reliable outcome. Yeah. So there's, there's this disconnect between like everybody thinks that the Hawkeye goes on and it hits and it's got to be out. And that's not necessarily true. Because it's extrapolating data, and, and mm. I don't know if did we, did we speak about it in the podcast last week, where the the companies have yeah alleg- that. allegedly. So I haven't followed up on that to see yeah. if there's any more to it, but <laughs> certainly I was told that from a very reliable source. Was so that Michael Clark, or uh, <laughs> it was the silent man uh, got in touch with me. Uh, so yeah, you know, anytime you are, and look, it's kind of. Well, it's a sort of simple maths principle, really. Anytime you are extrapolating, there's always going to be some sort of margin of error. You just mm. don't know. And if you did know these things reliably, then we wouldn't have the need for it in the first place yeah. in decision-making and in anything else. You know, if if you know what it's going to do, then you're going to put it in the right areas. Yeah. So <laughs> I just want to we, – we have the KFC hotspot. So I wonder if do you do you envisage a world where KFC hotspot is the charcoal chicken hotspot or <laughs> the, the little Lebanon? <laughs> yeah, shout outs to uh, the catering company. That's bloody delicious. <laughs> yeah. good, good job, little Lebanon. You killed it. Um, yeah, do we envisage a world? So that the the the, um, the ball tracking technology can change hands. Are we ever going to see a new sponsor for the KFC hotspot? Uh, in my uh, lifetime, I hope not. Uh, because if I'm going to be suggestively sold something, it should be the Colonel. Unless we get Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen in Australia, which I <laughs> pray to the sweet Lord that we do, I think it's going to be KFC for the rest of my life. <laughs> I wanted, I want them to change the like 
the ball tracking. I want KFC to get a hold of the ball tracking technology, but change it from the cricket ball to a popcorn to a popcorn <laughs> chicken just flying down the pitch. And then it being out and them going like that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> oh, that's next level. <laughs> um, is 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 it worth just in the interest of balance paying yeah, Gary Balance <laughs> paying full credit to Mark Stoneman for that innings up until the dismissal. So whether we regard that dismissal as being legitimately out, whether it's just unlucky or whatever the case may be, uh, he came out this morning and played a ball terror in the first sort of 30, 45 minutes. Um, Alastair Cook, a senior member of the side and a real rock to that top order, is dismissed quite early in the piece. He continued to go on with it. And then after lunch, faced a brutal barrage of short pitch bowling. So certainly as the, as the day wore on, there was a little bit of movement early, but not much. The Australian quicks then decided to dig it in short. Stoneman was battling hard, clearly uncomfortable, hit once, fended a couple of nasty ones away off the bat handle, off the glove. Um, full credit for a really gritty half century. And... The guys took advantage of that and were able to carry on with it this afternoon. So I think it was a 174 run partnership. Mm-hmm. But really, credit, really set up by the yeah. Stoneman 60 yeah. odd he, or whatever it yeah, was. 50, 56 from 100. Yeah. Yeah. But at you know, one stage this morning, he was striking at 80 or 90. Yeah, so it was the, the first half an hour was really interesting because we had Cook go down. Yeah, pretty, pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. But still one for 20 odd. And they were scoring it. Four and a half and over, over. For, yeah. for a little while at least. Yeah. I think he ended up at about three and over by yep. the end of the day, just yep. over. But that took that. It, it almost took after. So Stoneman carried on with that mm. for for quite after up until the lunch break. He was hitting him all around the park, and mm. then he got hit, and it. Yeah. There was this period of maybe three or four overs when he was out there with um with Root that they really kind of got bogged down a little bit with the the short stuff and mm. and that sort of pulled it back a little bit and Australia managed to get some control. But, yeah, they were really out of control and they, it, it kind of looked like England could probably have posted 400 by the end of the day because they were really mm. flying. Yeah, definitely. And it seemed like a, a game plan on their part to, to come out and really attack. Mm. Um, they definitely attacked Gary Lyon a bit more. Mm. But again, there was that feeling very early. They tried to get him off, and then he sort of managed. There was, there was some interesting battles. Yeah, yeah. Like there was, was certainly periods of time where both sides got on top, yeah. and, and especially with with Lyon, where they, they they did seem to target him a lot. But then they kind of let him get back into it, and he almost had his economy back down to two and a half runs and over for a long period of time there. And then they sort of started to attack him yeah. again. Mm. I think you could look at it like. Uh, You'd probably say England are just ahead at the moment, but a couple of quick wickets tomorrow, you put Australia ahead. It's very evenly poised. I, I yeah. think you say you you say England are ahead only for the fact that if it continues on the current, um, they're going to make four and a half thousand runs. runs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but they seem that you add another fifty runs and no wickets, and they're definitely on top. Yeah, and and that's. The you, more likely scenario of the, yeah. if you go three quick wickets, then Australia are on top. So they're, they're right in the balance, but it seems that the ball is in England's court to not mess it up. Definitely. And that's the advantage of winning the toss at the Wacker, isn't it? And batting first. You yeah. Get 
runs on the board at the Wacker is is very very valuable. Yeah. So looking forward, I don't a bit of uh, speculation about the weather, and I don't know whether it's been spoken about on the broadcast or on on the radio too much because Perth Perth is very unpredictable for anybody who and summer rain is unusual do we have any international listeners well, I hardly doubt it but like we if, if any of the 10 people that like our Facebook page and not from Australia hey, look, I haven't no, worked out how to use the Facebook analytics to tell who actually likes our mate, page but stop talking us down and talk yeah. us oh, hey, look, <laughs> Facebook is not it's not the only way people access the podcast alright so it's just how, how, else, the, the, how Facebook, else do they Facebook is just means Look, for I'm marketing. I'm not on Facebook and I've listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Case a world outside Facebook. <laughs> so, um, for, for anybody who, even if you're at, from at, you know, there's lots of people in Melbourne that might potentially listen to it, but <laughs> have never been. To, there's the, lots of people, people in, in Melbourne. Melbourne that are from the same country that quite possibly might be listening to an Australian-based podcast. Shout out to our Melbourne listeners. <laughs> <laughs> the the weather in summer in Perth is is generally quite consistently hot and sunny. I think most of the listeners from Melbourne would, would <laughs> have feel, come from uh, Perth. I feel, I feel, Courtney Hart, I feel like, if you're listening, uh, it gets hot in Perth. I feel like bring your sunscreen next like, week. Mike, 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 had broken, Mike had broken into his late night. Um, that yeah, you're listening to the get a, the a smooth the, mic and yeah, I talk like the smooth cricket hour on uh, <laughs> on uh, coming up next uh, six so, and out with, uh, <laughs> can't bowl can't throw so anyway there's a lot of speculation now, let me get to my point Jesus that there's a lot of speculation that we might lose significant time to rain in the test match and I find it a little bit hard to believe see in the like. 30 plus years I've been on the planet I've seen it rain once in summer in Perth for a significant period of time so mm. yeah I, I think we'd be looking at the risk of undermining the Bureau of Meteorology and the, and the <laughs> fine work that they do hopefully it's just a couple of big torrential downpours they get the super sopper out there mop it up and we've got some play I love um, that you pretend like you're getting your weather from the Bureau of Meteorology. Yeah, no, it's the West Australian <laughs> website. <Yeah. laughs> so th Third that's the hand. other thing that's playing into the speculation is that everybody's news sources are the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and the sun predicts sun. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, but there is, there, is the, there is the possibility of some significant amounts of rain come Sunday and Monday. So it, it's, it's an interesting... There's a little bit of me that hopes that you have the, the like almost most predictably sunny place in the world having a test match that England could possibly win rain yeah. out and, and it and turns energy. into Yorkshire for two days. Daffeth <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Milan scores 400. Johnny Bairstow headbutts his way to 600. <laughs> and then the heavens open and oh. Sorry, and, and Jimmy Anderson's <laughs> got it on a rope, but it's and a rope in the net. So. <laughs> there, there has to be a cruel irony in, yeah, particularly someone like Milan, and in the interests of not Gary balance, <laughs> uh, a, a great maiden hundred from Dufford Milan playing the short ball beautifully. 
So he's batting very well in some non-standard English conditions. I mean, that's the... That's what you get when you grow up in South Africa, right? Very <laughs> South African conditions. He loves yeah. it. He, he's love, loving batting in conditions similar no, to his home. He's definitely dinky-die English, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, this <laughs> this is the first, and well, the, the lineup is unchanged. So this is the first time I think in twenty-two years in this series that England has fielded a Test eleven comprising only people who were born in England. So, Darford Milan, despite the fact that he grew up in South Africa, was actually born in England. Oh, fair play. And so, you. that's the first time in two <laughs> decades that they've actually got an entire squad of wow. Englishmen. That is a damning, damning and, it, and if they had their best 11, it wouldn't be the case. Yeah. And, so. they're, get, and they're getting flogged. Yeah. What's happened to Mark Wood, by the way? He didn't do too badly in the tour match. He sort of rode in on the horse and he took a couple of wickets. <laughs> he looked lively. Um, yeah, I don't know. I assume there was just, just too much well, of a risk. I know after the tour match there was the rodeo down south, so <laughs> he, <laughs> might be the prize, he might be the prize piece down at the Dunsborough Rodeo on the weekend. <laughs> they figured they had to win something out of the tour, so we better send Mark down to the rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, there was uh, I don't, there was so much hype about that, but it was clearly a case. The guy is grossly underdone coming back from injury. Plays a two day, yeah, effectively two times twenty twenty match. Uh, yeah, takes it's a, a bit of a weird. Do, do, do you want to go into the yeah? Let's let's go into that tour game because it was. England batted very well. Two, it was a two day game, so not a first class game. Uh, England's eleven. Slightly interesting, you got Gary Balance, uh, Mark Wood, and Moen Ali, basically the only known players in and that. The, yeah, Ben Duckett would have played, but for <laughs> circumstances. Um, yeah, it was very much the, the English Lions team. It was like they just threw it away, they weren't interested in. And then playing against a, 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 a really young, sort of West Australian based 11 with. The exception of Osito. There was like Travis Dean who plays for Victoria. Mm. Um, Will Bazisto played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gabe Bell, who's been bowling quite well for Tassie, played as yeah. well. And then I think mostly, yeah, like young club cricketers other than that. So we have a first innings comes around and England, well, well positioned. Score four hundred ish. WA come in and score. Declare four down for. Yeah, classic declaration behind to force a result. Yeah, and then Very and then honourable. Yeah, supposedly spoken to the English side and said, "Hey, how about you guys bat for twenty overs and then we'll bat for forty overs to try and make a game of it." Yeah, honourable, honourable. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. It, yeah, so I've, I've got it here. So England, nine declared for 314. Sorry, mate, just to cut you off, I'm the stats guy on this <laughs> program. Well, he's, the, the Mike's definitely not the prepared for the podcast. Guy. <laughs> he's doing no, it this on the is fly. all from memory. This is all from memory. Uh, CA11, four declared for 151. England, three declared for 130. And then CA11, eight for 269. And it ended in a draw. 
So that's what, about 20 runs behind? Uh, if my mental maths is any good, which I'll, it isn't. I'll leave the mental maths up to you, the so, stats man. <laughs> we'll just call it, it was it's really close. It, it was yeah. a really close draw. We'll call it a draw. But an interesting, an interesting position to be in and them not really backing any of their players in to... It just it just seemed like a weird like why even have this tour tour game? game. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 if it's you're not going to play anybody that's going to play other than Gary Balance and Moanelli. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, Gary Balance didn't play. So, <laughs> but it comes back to that really the very compacted scheduling that there was such a quick turnaround from the first to the second test. Kind of feels like this was wedged in for. Not really a lot of reason. Yeah. Um, it's very odd. I find it more of a cynical way of looking at the tour match from an Eng- English side point of view because I, I sort of feel like it's he, he, Moen Ali's confidence couldn't be any worse. Yeah. So like he can play and he can only get better. But if we if we play Stoneman and Vince and Cook and these guys that probably haven't really done that well up until this point and they get rolled for Nothing. Yeah, Vince, then what's Vince it going to do? Is an expansive cover drive off a third grade bowler <laughs> and gets caught. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I just, I, I feel that even though this, given the context of the end of the first day, I, I, I don't feel that there's a lot of confidence in that side still. No, I like certainly. That, there's not confidence. There wasn't the confidence that they were just. Well, maybe there's two schools of thought. They were like, oh, they're just around the corner from having it turn around but obviously not that confident of it or just going like stop the floodgates and stop the like mm. the rot and don't play them and hope it hope for god that it yeah, just gets better hope that yeah. we can win the toss and bat in it, in perth and yeah yeah uh, but even then some runs on the board yeah you know alistair cook's dismissal was not you know that's not in keeping with a man of his caliber or a player of his caliber uh, that's a guy who's down on confidence and down on form. Um, Stoneman, you know, we'll, we'll call that lucky or unlucky, whatever you want to say. But so he he batted well for a half century. Um, Vince got out the exact same way he's got out <laughs> in every. I, I think we discussed this in episode one, mm-hmm. saying how what's going to happen, you know. And I think it was your point, Michael, that you bowl to a plan, but how are Australia going to bowl to these guys who've only played a handful of games? They're going to have to work them out. It's pretty simple with Vince. Just chuck it outside off <laughs> and, and you'll be fine. Yeah, he'll uh, drive at one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. it seems to be a theme of his career as far as I can work out. Is sort of He plays quite well and gets a start, gets 20 or 30 and then plays a... Waft! A, bat at a, one. a waft! Yeah, a waft. He he, look, obviously he's, he's impatient he doesn't want to wait an extra 15 yeah. minutes for lunch mm. and then <laughs> yeah. we've just got to get in there now I'm hungry <laughs> so we have the live uh, prediction board st- still still going we have we have the retirement of Jimmy Anderson still on still on still on but I don't think we had Cook, Cook was probably the most likely to have been the to get cooked to get cooked yeah. <laughs> cooked cooked watch look my prediction of this test ending inside two days is still on, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on how you define an end, because if we have the... Uh, oh, so the heaven's open <laughs> on Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it could still happen. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy could retire. I, I, I really want to turn it into cooked watch. 
Cooked watch? Cooked watch, yeah. Yeah. Like how he's I reckon he's about parboiled now and someone just needs to throw him in the <laughs> oven and really finish him off finish him off because he looks done. Yeah. There's zero confidence in a guy in that guy. Do he's, we do we need to bring in a fork? I mean it's not a great medium for physically bringing <laughs> but we just bring in a fork and maybe simulate Let's get a, a piece of steak and a fork. <laughs> well, and we, should, every week we, we should we'll Rochambeau for who's going to get <laughs> forked when when Cook finally does retire. Oh, look, the thing about Cook, I don't know, you just don't want to write him off because that's when he gets his, his quadruple century. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, so I'd rather that we just keep saying no, he's still, no, he's still the hunger still. No, he's still, <laughs> still no, he's well, he did, th- he's gone through <laughs> he's these. Due. He's due, he's He wants <laughs> a taste of his own cooking. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone through these lean periods in the past and, and then I think after having like one of his worst seasons ever, he ended up being the leading run scorer at the end of the calendar year or something ridiculous after being completely down and out. Yeah. He's two cooked. two he's or three years ago, yeah. Yep. yeah, he's come back. So you can't write him off, but the little fella knows how to handle the heat in the kitchen. He yeah. does. <laughs> There's not too many cooks. There's just one cook in that kitchen. Yeah. Oh, gee, I tell you what, though, on the subject of handling the heat, we've had we've keep. Oh, this is just a podcast that thrives on controversy. Um, controversial selection of Mitchell Marsh ahead of Peter Hanscom. Um, didn't bowl a heck of a lot of overs today. Quicks were looking a bit tired. I think he got in seven by the end of it. And um, well, I, It's I, interesting that Steve Smith chose to bowl himself a fair bit at the, at the whacker. Well, this yeah. is the curious thing. And I was, I was thinking this afternoon, as you're sort of, you're looking at it and going, we're not getting anywhere. The deck's flattened out a little bit. New ball is still sort of 20 overs away. Why isn't he bowling Marsh? The mm. whole reason he's selected is, yeah, if you're going to, if you say Hans comes out form and we just have to get rid of him, then you grab a batsman. If you're grabbing an all-rounder and a, an all-rounder who bowls medium fast, then you've got to bowl him, surely. Mm. Uh, and I just had reflections of um, Sri Lanka last year where Smith just refused to bowl Lyon and I don't know what it is is whether there's just a lack of confidence in the guy or you know Smith does make some unusual decisions from time to time and so whether he's got a plan and it's not quite evident but it just seems unusual to pick a West Australian pace bowling all-rounder and just and not, not bowl him yeah. well, I think seven overs is probably when you've got, you've, let's remember that the bowling lineup is quite young. This Starks, what, 26? Yep. Hazelwood's 25. Cummins is 23, Three. I think. So yep. you've got these guys that, that are, that are they're probably not going to fatigue. They're, they're probably in their, getting to their peak sort of fitness. They, they might fatigue in terms of, line and whatever but they're not they're not they're not looking like they're 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 done and they really need to rest they don't have a lot of that those endurance breakdown issues that they're kind of just the stress of fast bowling issues that they've got so if you're going to bowl them you pick them as a bowler you bowl them and marsh might need to bat but he bowled seven overs which is Mm. which is 
pretty reasonable given that you've got you probably bowled Lyon more than what you thought was going to get get bowled on a a first day whacker pitch. Mm. He bowled himself. So there's there's at least ten or fifteen overs that have been taken up from elsewhere that you thought probably wouldn't have happened. So I don't think it's peculiar. You also Marsh doesn't do a whole lot, so you bowl him for 15 overs and he probably goes for a ton of runs. Mm. So you, you are using him as a change-up. change, a change up. Mm. He also was unlucky to probably not get a couple of chop-ons. Yep. So yep, there was one I think he in definitely, particular late. Uh, was that well, was was Milan the, quite late in the day? There was one where he chopped on, uh, Bairstow chopped yeah, onto yeah, his back, back leg. And I think Bairstow even earlier chopped, chopped one that went everywhere and spun around and Bairstow had no no idea where it was so mm. I think I think Marsh had definitely as in his even though it was only seven overs had had done enough to justify his selection as as a, a, a batting as a batting all-rounder if he yep. makes runs so yep. you gotta you gotta think that his position in w in the West Australian setup has been as a batsman batting yep. at four yep. and making a ton of runs and a literal ton, yeah, and uh, not not bowling all that much. So mm. we've got a fit bowling lineup. Doesn't need a lot of rest. Yeah. They're young, so, so you don't don't bowl your fourth line seamer if your third, yeah, your first, second, and third can bowl overs. Like if mm. if we're at the third session tomorrow when they're still bowling, I expect him he'll be he will have bowled twenty overs in the day, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so you're you're sort of saying that he's been picked for his batting, basically. So yeah. it's not that Hanscom's been dropped for a more versatile option. It's that Mitch Marsh has been picked because he's in better form. Yeah. I guess it's his home ground and yeah. his bowling mm. is just that bonus, which is, is probably what it should be from a, yeah. from a number six. And it's kind of the way they treated Shane Watson, even though they mm. were batting him at three, which is lunacy, and they were bowling him for five or six overs in, a, in, a, in an inning. So mm. it's not unusual for the way that Australian captains have used their bowling all-rounders in the past. Yeah. And I think that given that there's just this, the world of marsh hate that people have against both of them. <laughs> the guy is young. Give yeah. him a go. Yeah. He like if it all clicks, he's gonna be an, an incredible cricket. Yeah, exactly. Yep. He could be our Flintoff, our Jacques Callis. You know. Yeah. It it could go very very well for for Australia. He's just got to he's got to get a run and he's got to get the confidence of everybody else around him. Mm. Everybody's smashed him when we were, you know, he didn't make runs when nobody else was making any runs. <laughs> no, Let's, the thing about him was always he came in at six and he either came in at six when Australia had 500 runs on the board and he just, his job was to try and hit sixes. And yep. inevitably and you get out cheaply when you do that. Or he came in at six when Australia had 100 runs on the board yeah. or less than 100 runs mm. where nobody's no made making runs. runs so yeah. you can't judge him on that. So. Yeah, he, I think he's he's had a bit of a raw deal. I would have expected him to have had to have played the full season for WA in first, but I suppose he still can because the next three tests are all while the big bash is on, so he's just going to miss the big bash and yeah. then he'll hopefully not play the ODIs and go back to playing first-class cricket for WA. And then I think he's playing 
can't remember what county team he's got, but he's going to play county cricket next year. So, and and there's not a lot of those middle order batsmen bashing down the door to to get picked. There's a lot. Mm. All of the batsmen in state cricket in Australia are stacked at the top of the order. That's why yeah. you have a lot of choices for the openers to three. Yeah, yep. that's sort of and top then, and then there's not yep. you, let's talk about the the newcomers in this in this line this lineup are Bancroft and Hanscom and and Sean Marsh they're they're all batting in that that top end of the of yeah. the batting lineup so there's not these guys that have that experience of either excel because it's a, it, it is a unique situation to have have to come in and bat in that that part of the. Yeah, you have to be quite adaptable, I guess, because there's a potential that you could be coming in against a new ball. There's a potential that you could be coming in with no runs on the board. There's a potential that you might have to play that acceleration role. Like it's a it's a bit of a funny place to bat in number six. Yeah, even number five, you know. And there there isn't a lot of options. Mm. People seem to think that you know people are out. The same with the keeping options everybody's just like get a better keeper and it's like but who yeah. <laughs> now everybody was slammed the decision for pain but who are we going to pick mm. like we're not we, we are totally blessed for fast bowlers we've got yeah, we've, 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 we've probably yeah. got the the most f- the, the depth in the fast bowling is out of control in australia and south african coaches have long said that we have the best fast bowling depth we might not have the best fast bowlers but we have the most that can come in and do a job absolutely i can't think of a time that i've been alive and watching cricket in australia where we've had a total dearth of fast bowling talent. Yeah. it's always mm. been very very good same as when we've had we've had spinning issues with nathan lyon and We've had O'Keefe come in and Bryce McGain, <laughs> uh, uh, Jason yeah. Crazy, <laughs> Michael Beale. So, <laughs> we've, 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 do you know everybody seems to get on the back of these guys that are not performing, but clearly have no idea about what depth exists in these positions. So, mm. Hanscom probably did deserve to get dropped, and Mitch Marsh is probably a very deserving number six to come yeah. in yeah and yep. it's not like handsome's gonna be totally he's not done about. like they're not, no, he's not no. captain of victoria he's gonna go back make runs for victoria in the yeah. shield and he'll be back back next yeah. summer probably yep. yeah well I, I imagine he'll be back before the end I, I i don't know know that mitchell do enough to keep his position mm. especially that we got we're going to the boxing day test so there mm. could just be this case that they'll just pick my uh pick Hanscom for the for the oh, boxing. You know who's getting caught up for the boxing day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so <laughs> go go on. The big show, Glenn Maxwell. <laughs> I hear he doesn't like that name. Can we call him by his proper name, which is Glenn? Glenn, okay. Glenn. will hopefully be selected <laughs> to bowl to Darford. So we have, yeah, the, the, other, the other choice for that position was probably Glenn Maxwell, who's also been slotting sixes. Oof. Double centuries. Yeah. But, I think I scored a double century at North Sydney over once. Yeah. Whereas maybe my nan's verge, but it's about the same size. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, everybody just needs to calm down, get a group, like just settle Think about things, realise what's important in life, <laughs> and let Mitch have a go. 
Yeah, give have a go chance. cricket. Give him a chance. Have a go Milo, cricket. Milo, have a go cricket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we we're pretty we're pretty we've covered we've covered the test, hey? I think so. I think we need to. Well, it's cover. only been one day, you know. Yeah, it's not like we've got a full five days to exactly. cover. Exactly. You can't really, you know, England doing well. Good on them. This is their one day they get a year. When they I love that we've actually yeah. had the opportunity <laughs> to talk about England being okay. In, in all honesty, I've been been ragging on our relatively small listenership, or allegedly. <laughs> I actually haven't seen any stats. I'm just it's just my self deprecating humour, but uh, I. <laughs> was accused today by a genuine listener of this podcast. So we do have at least one who's not in this room with a is microphone. It, is this the, the one that gave us the review that said witty banter about <laughs> sports? No, no. So, it's whoever that is. Because no not idea. listening to the podcast. <laughs> he genuinely, thanks. genuinely did not listen to the podcast. <laughs> But I was we I was given some feedback, accused of some strong West Australian bias on the podcast. But that wasn't an insult. That was, I yeah, think we okay. just wear that as a badge of pride. I think so. I think we need to. You know? We know our listenership. Yeah. Well, there's obviously enough bias going around in the the selection around the around the the Australian side. So. Oh yeah, it's all bloody New South Wales. <laughs> and Tasmania are a basket case. <laughs> uh, Queensland, uh, who knows? Speaking of uh, a bit of West Australian bias, so. We've had a couple of a couple of Ashes tests, but clearly that was a bit of a an appetizer, a bit of a taster for the real, the true big game of the Australian summer, the <laughs> WA Festival of Cricket. And we had a a, a man on the ground there, Reese Meekins, was at the game. Indeed, reporting live from the West Australian Festival of Cricket. Uh, Australian eleven versus a world. 11. I think the word legend was thrown around, perhaps a little <laughs> yeah. too liberally from both sides. <laughs> uh, arguably so, but we did, get, uh, we did get a massive scoop from that match, and I think we alluded to it earlier. There's been some controversy um, this week, as there has been every week so far of this Ashes series, <laughs> some of it founded, some of it not. Um, but in the wake of the controversy that we've seen in the lead-up to this test... We did have a chat to a man who's involved in Australian cricket. A former test cricketer. Former test cricketer. Um, a man who's involved in both national and domestic 2020 here. Once who, had an average that rivaled the great Donald Bradman. Indeed. Potentially indeed. a World Cup winning all-rounder, but I'd have to check my <laughs> <laughs> my sources on that Let's one. Double check that. <laughs> but... Yeah, look, there's been a lot of controversy this week and uh, as there has been every week. And so we headed down to the UWA Sports Park to see if we could get the inside word on the controversy from a man who would know a thing or two. Um, and so it might just bring you a, a little clip with former Australian and uh, West Australian test one day international 2020 Sheffield Shield. <laughs> uh, the resume is almost as long. I think. As I think we'll leave you. I think we'll leave you with the clip. We'll sign off with the clip. So we'll sign off with the clip. So we'll we'll throw out. Can we? Do we throw? Can we throw? <laughs> sure. Can as we... long as you're not bowling to anybody, you can't throw. Yeah. Yeah. True. That was so early, right? Yeah. Uh, so Ooh, we maybe we podcast, mate. throw down to. Uh, I'll throw down. That's you're allowed to throw down. We'll throw down to. Um, 
former Australian and West Australian champion Adam Voges yeah. for the inside scoop on one of the most controversial topics that's come up in Australian cricket this yeah. summer. So I think we'll give us give us give us a review. We've been silly point. Thanks very much for listening. Um, we'll leave you with the. It's just it's if if the sun could get this story, oh, it would it would blow up. Oh, can you imagine if the sun got hold of this? Oh. So we'll leave you there. I've been Brendan. Thanks very much. I'll see you later. For you. Evening. Adam, thanks for joining us here on Silly Point this afternoon. Just a couple of questions for you about Cam Bancroft and his test debut. Yeah. Um, how have you felt he's gone so far? Oh, he's been excellent. Um, really happy for him that he's he's done well and he's worked bloody hard to get there. So he, he's been excellent. Um, I've enjoyed a couple of his um, press conferences after the game, especially with, uh, around the headbutting controversy. But um, no, he's played really well so far. Excellent, mate. And on that note, can you confirm for us, does he actually have the heaviest head down at the Wacker. There's a, there's a great story around this. So uh, this time last year we were playing a game over in Sydney and we had a rain break and I just ha- heard this raucous laughter coming from our change rooms and so I ran back inside to see all the boys cracking up laughing with Cam lying on his back, his head on these scales. So being intelligent cricketers that we are, we decided to weigh everyone's head during the rain break and of course one of the boys stood on the scale just behind Cam's head. So for some reason, his head kept coming up about a kilo and a head, a half heavier than everyone else's. And so still to this day, even in that press conference, he said, I've got the heaviest head in WA. He still doesn't know that we were just taking the piss out of him. So, oh, mate, Andy, Are you a little bit worried that the head weight metric is going to become an important measure for Australian cricketers going forward? And a follow-up to that would be, are you concerned that that might have prejudiced your position in the national lineup? <laughs> Oh, I've got a small head, so I don't think I was ever in any danger of having the heaviest one. But, um, oh, no, I guess it all came around that, that head-baiting controversy. Otherwise, I don't think he would have ever known. He, he wouldn't have been able to tell you about his head weight. But, um, oh, no, look, I, just, I guess on the series, it's been a wonderful series so far. Australia played some good cricket and looking forward to seeing what they do over here in Perth and hopefully winning the Ashes back. Absolutely. Adam, thanks for your time. And, um, look, you're out there with uh, Travis Bird at the moment. Um, he's got a big head. Do you think that's... Do you think doing that helps him? out in the middle he's got big shoulders big arms he's got big everything so i'm just going to try and get ones and get him on strike and see if he can hit some big sixes as well fair enough mate thank you so much for your time cheers good on you Simon Kaddish, welcome to Silly Point. How are you this afternoon? Very good, thanks. Excellent. Mate, um, this Ashes series has been peppered with animosity, a lot of discussion about verbal barbs, deliberate sledges aimed at stump microphones. You're a bloke who fielded in close in your time. What is the best sledge you've either heard or given? I didn't give too many because when you're fielding in a short leg, if you're 
a bit too lippy, you probably get hit. So I kept quiet. But the best sleds I ever heard happened in a club game back in Perth many, many moons ago. And our keeper, who's pretty chirpy as keepers are, decided to sledge the opposition batsman. He said, hey, Gluey, there was an ugly 11, you'd be skipper. And the batsman turned around quick as a flash and he said, Seely, I saw your missus the other day and she's batting three. <laughs> and... Um Simon, you've got a guy like Joe Root batting. Now, maybe maybe you're not feeling feeling in close. Let's put you back a little bit, but you're still within earshot. He's uh, he's made a controversial decision to bowl in Adelaide. They're two tests down. It's day one at the Wacker. He comes out to bat. What do you say to him? You'd probably say to him, uh, look, the boys didn't look too interested on day one with the ball, Joe. What are you doing bowling first? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Simon, thanks so much for your time. No worries. Thanks, mate. That was great. Thank you. Andy Flower, welcome to Silly Point. How did you feel this afternoon went for the All-Stars? Well, it was, a, it was a great day, actually. Great for John Leishman to um, sort of have everyone gather here and celebrate Tom's uh, time. Um, and a good day for the crowd. You know, I saw some legends of the game, uh, like McGrath, uh, uh, out there in the middle doing their thing. And uh, it was good fun. Beautiful weather. Um, and quite relaxed. And I think everyone's really enjoyed their day. Excellent. And you've spoken about the likes of McGrath, known on field for his precise bowling and also some precise verbal barbs, a good relationship with his wicket keepers of the time, particularly Ian Healy. As a wicket keeper yourself, um, in light of you know Matthew Wade and, and some of the verbal banter that he's brought to the field uh, and accusations that maybe he's only selected because of his verbal barbs do you see a wicketkeeper as being a, a primary sledger on the field and maybe deserving of a spot more so for that reason than his batting or his keeping or uh, do you see a bit more to that than the role well i'm absolutely certain that he he didn't get selected that many times for australia just for that you know he's a good cricketer um and he's done some good things for australia uh, the the, the wicketkeeper um, does have a role to play, there's no doubt about that. He's the, the fulcrum around which the fielding side operates. Uh, and his tidiness, his energy, uh, that that is crucial to the fielding operation. Um, on the sledging front, um, we definitely don't need sledging in the game. Um, I think some uh, the odd clever comment to distract someone, perhaps, is part of the game. Uh, but act actual sledging, swearing, getting personal, it should play no part of the game in my opinion. Yeah, it's not a good look. And we had some ugly scenes in Adelaide, um, although the English did say that they managed to get under Steve Smith's skin and maybe their, their tactics might have affected his, his run scoring ability. If you were behind the stumps, what would you say to Steve Smith to get under his skin? <laughs> hey, that guy's playing well. I think uh, what, um, what we should all do if we're playing against quality players is make sure that we are applying pressure, creating chances, getting them out. I, I think the, the sledging topic is, uh, is over, 
uh, over um, analyzed, uh, over marketed, and uh, we'd all be better off getting on and playing the game and getting people out. Yep, excellent. Yeah. And Andy, do you have any comments on Kevin Peterson's desert boots and his fashion sense in this latest Channel 9 ha- commentary stint of his? Haven't seen him, not interested. <laughs> Fair enough. Andy, all right, thanks Reece. for your time. Pleasure, mate. Cheers. Uh, is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. No, yeah, no, no worries. worries.